All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got Chiefs legend and member of the College Football Hall of Fame, Art Still. Art, how's everything going? It's a crazy world we're living in right now. Oh, no, everything is, uh, I guess you just take it one day at a time, so yeah. to speak. But everything, you know, I got up this morning, just, um, I did get up this morning and all, and I live in the, in the suburbs outside of Kansas City area and all, but I heard all this popping going on. It sounded like, you know, maybe some try shooting a gun and all. And then when I got up, I really, my wife looked at me, she said, I think those are your knees. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, they popping and I'm getting up and I'm moving around and all too. So. I thought you were going to say there's still some fireworks going on, some fans still celebrating from February. And I thought maybe you thought I was going to do some, some rerun or something, popping and locking. And, <laughs> right. Hey, hey. So, so what have you been doing to, with all, like added free time and everything kind of being virtual? How have you been handling all the pandemic? Free time. What is what is free time, man? What, what how do you spell? Is that free or two times? Free times? Oh no. Yeah. No, but you know, it's just I'll give you a little you know, when you say free time for me, um, you know, I have I have six boys, five girls, I got my twenty second, you know, grandchild oh, wow. coming up month and all. And they all live within a, you know, thirty minutes. Oh, cool. Of, so even this morning, I had about, I got about five or six over this morning and all, too. So when you say free time, I'm trying to figure that one. <laughs> and then if I do get a couple minutes of free time, man, I just sit there like an old man, and I just sit there and just just think about, you know, when I was young and be able to walk around and have all that popping sound. But, um, <laughs> no, but, but you know, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, we look at it because we got some things we're doing with foundations and all. Um, I'm involved with the Kansas City Chiefs and Bastards and all. We do things within the community and all. So there's a lot of things out there we can do. Um, one of the big things I live by, one of my codes is, you know, um, and I use it, when we help others, we heal ourselves. And I always tell people I got a lot of healing. So any type of help I can do within my own family structure, because that's where it starts. Yeah. And then within the community and those around me and all, too, um, that, 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 that keeps me going, so to speak. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. And so I have a question kind of about your early on career. How, how did you end up at Kentucky? Um, you know, it was a, they had a good pre-med program and all, too. You know, I always, you know, these type of hands and all, I got I always wanted to be a, a brains, you know, <laughs> surgeon and all, too, man, because I figured, you know, I can get in there in some corners I can get around and other docs can get around. Um, no, um, besides the pre-med situation and all, too. I had the opportunity, um, one of the schools I was looking at was the Big Ten school. And at that particular time, I was looking at Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan State. And then I had my coach, you know, and, and that's one of the things I always tell folks and all, the importance of a coach. You know, because a lot of times they take on that father, fatherly image and all, too, as far as direction and all. So my coach, Coach Andy Henson and all, he sat me down and talked to me one day and all. In reference to because he knew that I wanted to go someplace and do something myself and he pointed out the point of University of Kentucky because he said they're known for basketball um, and also at the same time you look into play so if you go into a school known for basketball and they got a program they rebuild and it's always nice to be part of a rebuilding program if you go to Michigan Michigan State that's their tradition football so um, it made a lot of sense because he said you'd have, probably have an opportunity of playing as a freshman and all, which I had the opportunity of doing that too. And then I have an opportunity of 
and, and again, we always talk, and I use the term loosely, you know, of making a name for yourself. But um, it's not about making a name. It's just you have the opportunity maybe to excel and get more exposure and all. And so I did, you know, going to Kentucky and all, had the opportunity of playing there, going to school, getting a scholarship and, 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 and getting my degree and all, and have my opportunity of playing and got some exposure and got, in 1978, got drafted by the nice. Chiefs. You know, second player picked behind Earl Campbell, which I was pretty fortunate in all, too. Because, you know, um, well, everybody, Earl Campbell, man, and then, you know, getting drafted behind him was, like I said, it was a dream come true, so to speak. So I, I have a question about Kentucky. So I remember a couple – I saw something a couple weeks ago. I don't know if they got it. You hear there was a bear running around the campus? You hear about this a couple weeks no, ago? No, it was just <laughs> – you know, we're going to chuckle a little bit and all, too. And you, you throw the bear thing out. Yesterday I was talking, you know, Anthony Munoz, he has his foundation yeah. and all. So we have a, you know, we're talking with them, maybe have an opportunity to maybe help them fundraising cool. in reference to the coffee and all. But I was talking to Chloe, who works, you know, with the foundation. And she, I was telling her about the Wildcats. We're the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah. And it was just kind of funny, you know, you bring up the bear and all. Oh, I'm a Cincinnati. She goes to the University of Cincinnati. She's an intern for um, for uh, Munoz Foundation and all. I'm a bear cat. So when you threw out the bear cat, I'm like, there's not ain't no such thing as a bear cat. Now, a wild cat, that makes more sense. A bear cat's a little confusing and all, too. But but how did the bear come up? And when you I, I don't know. I just saw some things. People were saying some down there that there was like, hey, there's reports of a bear running around the campus. And I'm like, somebody, somebody protect Maybe. me now. <laughs> I'm going to have to call Chloe up with the found, with Munoz Foundation because I told her there's no such thing as a bear cat. All of a sudden, I guess, did he have a long tail? I don't know. Hope, hopefully not. Hopefully she, she, she knows how to prevent, to stop it or something. Or yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know who's down there. Still maybe Boogie, Boogie Cousins is down there maybe doing, doing some uh, signings or something since he's not yeah. spinning Big the bubble. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was your experience like in Lexington? When did you kind of hit your groove? And was the NFL on your radar your whole time, or did it kind of one point well, click for you? You know, I, I go back, you know, I'm from Camden, New Jersey and all. And, and again, always, you know, people talk about when I grew up in the projects and this right here, blah, 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 blah. And I always tell people, man, just like shade of color. You know, when we come in the world, we don't get the opportunity to pick what color, what shade of parent we gonna have. Mom with my father, about six, eight, you know, and this athletic. I want my mother this way too. When we come in the world, where we live or wherever womb we come out, that's what we got a family. Yeah. So I was born and raised and I was pretty fortunate again. You know, I had some great parents, my mother, my father and all. So I was born in Camden, New Jersey, lived in the projects, I, you know. So we economically, it was a little, little different and all, but I'm, I'm not knocking anybody else that had money or anything like that. It was just that's what happened. That's the environment growth. So my goal coming through high school and all is, was to get out of Camden, New Jersey, get out of the projects, and try to do something positive and then come back, hopefully do some things back within my community and all, too. So the whole objective, you know, as far as going to Lexington, but never thought about going down the south, so to speak, you know, Kentucky and Lexington and all, too. But um, that was, you know, it was a great experience for me because I came from an environment that was all black and Puerto Ricans. We went to schools predominantly and all, too. And I always used the illustration. I mean, this is a true story, too. One of the schools that we had a hatred for, you know how they just rivalry against yeah. school, 
is one of the suburb schools. It was a parochial school, District of Houston. They was out in um, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Pensacola, Cherry Hill. Yeah. And we started, I mean, it was like a hatred. Basketball, and they had, they were good at parochial school and basketball, football. And, but it was just, it was, you know, it was a learning experience for me, too, because we couldn't stand them. They couldn't stand us. And then I went to Kentucky. There was a guy by the name of Rick Fromm. Rick Fromm went to Bishop Houston. We played against each other. Now, all of a sudden, we're on the same team. And Rick, when I came, he was a junior or a senior. He was a junior when I came in, and he took me under our wing. But it was just one of those, you know, one of those kind of moments that kind of put life in perspective and all, too. Because basically, you know, sports has its place. You know, you, have, you hear about concussions, especially football, and this injuries and all. And those are the negative things. But then on the other side, there's all those soft skills we learn. And just like coming to Kentucky, playing alongside with Rick Fromm, who we were arch enemies as far as sports and all back when we was in high school. You learn, man, that life is about adjustments and making changes and not assuming, you know, keeping it in perspective. Because when you play a game and you're playing against somebody else and all, it's not like you're going to have to kill somebody. It's competitive. You can still be competitive, be respectful, be respectful of that person, no matter what part of town, what shade of color, and play the game for what it was, you know, because – that was the whole point, you know, with football and other sports. It's about sportsmanship that you're slowly using. But we see a lot of lack of that nowadays and all, too, which it it reflects within our community. It reflects, you know, you, you look at the, you know, um, those that are taking lead in our community, you know, yeah. politicians and all, too, where, you know, it it's almost gets to the extreme where it's not about working together. It's almost about, yeah. You you gotta see things my way and that's the way it's gonna be done. Yeah. It's not about let's sit down, hey, I'm gonna be empathetic and look at your side and let's let's work together. Let's let's we might disagree, but we still gonna have respect and love for one another. Too. Absolutely. I have a question. Did they ever try to get you to play basketball when you're down there? Oh uh, well I had well, there was another guy that I played with, good friend of mine too, Derek Ramsey. We went down there together. Derek was our quarterback and he went to Kentucky and all and he he, he got drafted, too, by the Raiders and all, played tight end and played for New England. You know, he, he's got several Super Bowl rings and oh, finished cool. with Detroit and all, too. But um, um, we came down there. We came together and all. And um, like I was thinking, what was the question you just asked, too, man? I was trying to figure that one out. I was going with Derek and all. Uh, did they ever try to get you play basketball? Oh, yeah, basketball. That's right. Um, Derek. He went out for the team. He made the team as a freshman. Wow. But he didn't like sitting on the bench, so he just quit and all. But Derek was a – you know, I, I played high school basketball, but, you know, football worked out pretty good for me, staying focused. And then, you know, too, going to school, combination classes, practice, playing games, and being on the road, and those types of things can be – you know, if you get too much away from the books and all, man, then the scholarship and all that stuff is all in vain and all. And it, and then speaking of your time in college, for for this upcoming season, what are you expecting? Do you do you think there's gonna be college football? Well, I, yeah, I, I, it's it's almost if yeah, you know, I I think college football is gonna be around. It might be moder- It's gonna have to yeah. be modified somewhat. Yeah. Too, but again, you think about it. 
this is the first time in history anything like this has happened. Yeah. I mean, and you think, you know, back in the day, it probably wouldn't have been too bad, especially when I was playing ball. It might not have been too bad because he didn't have the ESPN, all these channels, 24-7, because I can remember why Worlds of Sports was a big thing on Saturday, you know, Saturday afternoon. It was, it was on maybe a football game in, in the afternoon and maybe at night and all. Then when they had the Monday night football, it was a big thing. But then, you know, then from there, you went to Thursday night. Now you talk sports 24-7, no matter what. So I think people are it, – it, it's just like, you know, he's talking about holiday. Yeah. A lot of times domestic violence and those types of issues and problems because people can't cope with the pressure. And sports is – it's it's almost like a medication for a lot of folks. And so um, – there's going to have to be some type of modified medication for some of the folks and all too. Because some people, man, that's their life centered around sports and all. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully we can learn there's more to life than just sports. I mean, yeah. you can take that energy. We got a lot of things within our community that we can do. And I know it's the social distance, those types of things, but there's, there's a lot of simple things that we can do to modify that and help other ones. So um, it's just a matter of being a little bit creative yeah. um, and, and, and doing the right thing, not only for yourself, but more importantly for those around us. Yeah, because I remember those first few days after everything kind of shut down, people were like, how are we going to live without sports? And it was just like slow days. And then as it started to kind of just like day by day by day, it started to get like, all right, it's been a while, it's been a while. And then now I don't think people are realizing like how close we are to sports returning. No, hey, and it is kind of crazy, you know, because I can remember, now, you remember Marty Lyons. Yeah. He's had the foundation. Yeah, actually, I interviewed him. I interviewed him a couple weeks ago. He's awesome. He's such a great guy. Yeah. Um, And Marty, so he has his foundation and all, too. So we've been talking. Kenny Zorn is one of the guys that works within his organization and all, too. And that was the last time, you know, we've been texting, going back and forth, trying to get some things going, too. But I can remember talking to him because I can remember that one day the big thing on CNN and all the channels was when the big boat was coming in through San Francisco someplace. And they was talking about the problem. So, I, you know, you're thinking uh, just something little. And then, you know, when I talked to Kenny later on that week or so, he was talking about I didn't, I wouldn't keep up the news and all about the NBA, baseball. And then that's when things started hitting, you know, how serious – this virus, and then now you got things going up the social social just, justice and and it's just it's almost like a snowball. Yeah. And um, um, that's why it's important, man, to be doing something yeah. positive with not just for yourself but for others and all. Another, you know, another in order to help yourself, you got to help others. Absolutely, absolutely. I have a question: Was there a point during your time at Kentucky when you were like, "All right, I'm going to be a first round pick." Oh, I'm a legend in my own mind still now. You know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm still first round picking around about two o'clock in the morning. I'm playing these all-star games, two o'clock in the morning. Then I got to get up, go to the bathroom and get some water out of the system. Then I come back and finish the game. Then I'm MVP again. <laughs> that's hey, That's when you have good concussions now. Yeah. No. But no, my, my thought was this. Is, as I was, I think I was talking from Camden and all, it was almost like, I'm going to get out of Camden so I don't have to come back to Camden, so yeah. to speak, you know, from that environment. And so once I got and had the opportunity in University of Kentucky, it wasn't a thought of, of um, 
the thoughts start coming to mind my junior and senior year when you start having teams, you know, football, you know, um, pro teams looking at you. And then I started making some all-star teams and those types of things. And then even before the season, they had – that's back in the day. My best um, All-American team was the Playboy All-American team. Stuff. That's when I knew I was the man there. But, um, you know, and that was a preseason All-American team and all, too. And then that's how things kind of rolled from there. And I, and I keep reflecting. I never thought – I think I was at the right place at the right time, but also the guys that I played with in college and all, you know, I, that makes a world of a difference, yeah. you know, because I kind of look at things and, you know, we had, I think we had maybe 13 guys that came off our senior team and all that either got, was a free agent or drafted in the chiefs and all too. So we had, I, you know, I played with some great guys and all, and I was just, just at the right place at the right time. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, had some great coaches and all, too. So it was a combination. Then, you know, I keep thinking, you know, your parents always talk about the support team. Yeah. And, yes, it did take some effort on my part as far as, you know, playing the game. So, and, and, and another person that sticks on my arm, too, is uh, Pat, Pat Etcheberry. He was another guy. He was our strength and conditioning coach. And I can remember, man, just – he was he was a drill sergeant, yeah. but it was all about technique, self discipline, those types of things. And he didn't discriminate, no matter if you was all American or you you um, was on the scout team or whatever. He treated everybody the same way. He worked everybody the same way. And those all skills, you know, things that I learned not only for myself individually, but then you know, raising a family, um, business treating others and all, too. I mean, it's, you know, those are the things and all with sports and all. If, you, if, if, if young ones can take in mind, not just shooting a basketball, catching a ball, running fast, whatever, but those soft skills that you learn, those are the things that's going to take you to the next level. Because once, this, you know, if, you, if you're fortunate to play, you know, um, professional football or whatever, or basketball, whatever the sport might be, that only lasts for a little time. But what you're going to do after that, and those were those skills, people that you learn, respecting others, um, never thinking too much of yourself because, you know, hey, I play for this and I make this kind of money, I'm better. You know, keep everything in perspective. I think that keeps you grounded and takes you to the next level, so to speak. But what was your draft process like? My draft was um, – <laughs> back then they didn't have the combine and all that. So, and, and you know, it's, it's – it's, and I'll give you another story and all, because Buck Buchanan played yeah. for the Chiefs all Super Bowl and all, too. Hank Stram was the, the, the you know, he's, he's a legend coach and all, too. But it was one of those situations back then when I was at Kentucky and all, um, Buck was coaching for the New Orleans Saints with Hank Stram. So they went down and he's coaching. And so Buck came up. And did um that's, that's how they used to you know they have maybe one of the coaches come in and run you and do all these testing weightlifting and all too that's how it was done back yeah. in the day, and I had the opportunity that was the first time I met Buck you oh. know big Buck about the same size and you talking about the nicest guy in the world and all and that's that's a breed a breed you know because coming to Kentucky I didn't have Bobby Bell Jan Stenroot Grolly Golf. You know, you go um, 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 Willie Lanier, all them guys. 
it's just a different breed of folks and all, man. Them guys are the most humble guys around and all, too. But I had the opportunity. Buck gave me his um, New Orleans Saint sweatshirt and pants and his Puma shoes. And I can still remember that to this day and all. But it was just the impression, you know, he was a, you know, looking at him, he was a legend and all. But the, the type, his personality, how he talked and how he treated others, man, that's really impressed me about him and all. So that was part of the process. They come in and they run you and the 40 yard and all that kind of stuff. And that was the process back then of um, testing the ball play. They didn't have, like, you go to Indianapolis and do the combine and all that stuff. They never had the big thing up in New York where they announced your name or whatever. So um, um, I missed out on that somewhat. But I didn't miss out. Kinda, I kind of like that kind of phase and all, you know, show, show stuff. How did you find out you were going to Kansas City? Um, it was a song. Somebody was singing the song, I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. No, that was um, I found out. I found out. I think it was two or three nights before the draft and all. So what happened was um, I came in town the night before the draft with the Chiefs and all, stayed across the street. And then when they made the announcement, that's when um, – Marv Levy was the first year in the NFL as far as head coach and all. So I had the opportunity of meeting Marv, um, Coach Levy, and visiting over at the stadium and all, and that's, that's how I found out. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And then so what was your kind of like your, your first training camp experience like, just kind of just being the small fish in a big pond? There's, 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 there's stories and lessons and all to be learned. And all. I can remember my first year, and one of the guys, there's individuals and all that stand out in my mind. Jack Rugby is one of the guys. But one of the guys I always talk about, his name was, they used to call him Big Nick, Jim Nicholson. Now, he played for Michigan State and all, Big Nick. But he was offensive tackle. So I'm coming in as a defensive end. I was like a stand-up defensive end, like an outside linebacker. Yeah. So this is the first time I ever played on defense in a three-point stance and all, too. So Big Nick, and then camp, you know how camp is. He's fighting for a job. I'm fighting for a job. You know, because I got drafted, you know, that high rank, you know, it's, it's not an end, so to speak. But, you know, you still, if you're competitive, you're going you're gonna to work for it and all, too, because you're trying to get better. But Big Nick, man, he used to take me after practice and show me moves on him that, you know, as a defensive end. And so I'm thinking, you know, I never thought about it. And then afterwards, I started thinking, this person, Jim, Big Nick, take me after practice. He's he's gonna make he's gotta make the squad too, but he's showing me moves on him that I can do on him. He's teaching me moves that work. So it was just it was that type of you know that type of person, Jim. That I'm and he hey, Big Nick man was old. He was he was a raw dog and all man. But underneath you know a lot of them guys man they're pretty humble. And he took me on the side, man, you know, gave me some advice. And, and then I had to practice it, full, full blow and all. I mean, back then, you know, two or three weeks, sometimes he had three-day practice and all, too. So, so, Nick, man, we, we, we added each other every day and all. And then they had to practice, hey, you need to work on this right here and this right here. So um, um, it was a transition and all. But like I said, I think it's a lot of times, man, if you with the right people, right environment and sometimes most of the time you're not but if you come in i never thought to i mean i was i was pretty fortunate but i try not 
try not to think too much of myself and all, because, you know, especially in this sport, it's real simple. You can have all the ability in the world, and there's just one thing that can get you out of the game real quick. You know what that is, don't you? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So I, I, I have a question. So I, I, was, I was watching something the other day, and it kind of got me thinking, and I, I get that um, pro football players get lots of uh, pitches all the time, like when they're playing for, like, different investments. Oh, no, that's baseball. Is that pitches? I, you know, I used to get curry balls, knuckleballs back when I was young, but, you know, pitches, yeah, sometimes, but I, I don't play no baseball. So, I mean, like, was there, like, a wild investment pitch? Like, some, something that, like, you were like, is this guy for real? That somebody said to you, like, hey, do you want to get into this? You were like, get out of my face. Okay, can you explain that just a little bit more? I'm just, you're talking about as far as. Yeah, like, 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 like a business opportunity that you were like, oh. like some crazy business. That, that, was, was that? Right. Well, there's either stories and true stories and all. It's, you know, the funny thing about it, you know, because getting drafted and all. You have folks that approach you. I had one guy approach me. He was in insurance and all, investment. He wanted me to get a million dollars worth of insurance. And that was a big thing, you know, because, you know, the way it was presented is it's like an investment. And then when you think about it, I'm, you know, 22 years old, just drafted. I'm getting a million dollars insurance, Bob. Who's going to get, I'm not married, don't have no kids. So who's going to get that money? And no. then on top of that, <laughs> Basically, what you're doing is you betting on yourself dying. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get a million. I'm going to die so I can get this million. You don't get the million dollars. <laughs> so it's almost like, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, we don't think. But I remember old Arsilio Hall show, man. He used to have this term, things that make you go, hmm. You know, people throw <laughs> pictures at you, man. You sit there. You know, I, I had people, man, hey, you come on, boy. You don't have to do anything at all. We're going to do the work for you, blah, blah, blah. I'm this right here. What's, you, you're trying to figure out, and, and we know it's just a ploy of getting you involved, yeah. but there's a picture, you ain't no thing you can get involved with when you ain't going to do nothing at all. And yeah. we just, just make money, you don't have to, that's, it's, it's like things that make you go, hmm, maybe I should, <laughs> yeah, I think it just might work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's why. That's why. And then, of course, when when did you? Was there an adjustment period for you, um, sort of in your first season, or when did you kind of feel like, all right, I belong? I, I think you know you never want to. I think in life and all, you you always if you don't have a longing and you're not, you should never get satisfied where you're at and all. Yeah. So I never, you know, even <laughs> and you laugh about it, just like I did. You know, even after I retired, I retired back in 89. I ain't lying. Many a days, I get up in the morning sweating, literally sweating and all. And then I catch myself, too, especially during the football season, about going to practice. And so, you know, it's been five, six, seven years. And sometimes during the season, or you smell grass, you start bringing back memories and all. And so, and I can remember times, man, I'm thinking, and even now, you know, I'll have, you know, like a game in mind or playing in the game, and you still think you, you think you still got it, then you get up in the morning and the wife tell you, um, you need to put some oil on them joints, you're making too much noise when you get up, man, you're scared of everybody. But I mean, but it's just, so, so it's almost like, and I, I got some grandkids, a couple of our grandkids that we got sole custody of, man. And we, you know, lately we've been going down. Where we used to practice at was at um, um, 
right down the track is Four Mile William Jewell College and all. That's where we had a camp and all back in the day. And um, um, so, you know, going down there, you know, I take the grandkids down, we run and all. I'm just going a little bit and all. And I tell them, I said, man, I think, you know, once I get back in shape, I think, and then we going up the steps, going to the steps, I think I might be going out back out for the teams, you know, this year and all too. But then, you know, that's just, that's a figure of speech, but I still, I feel like I belong. I belong to get paid on Mondays. That's where I belong, man. Yeah. I have a question. Is it true that you became a vegetarian part with your career? Well, yeah, you know, it was more so, I didn't eat, I haven't eaten, pork or beef in probably over 40 years or really? so. Really? But I eat fish and fowl and all. And then for a period of time I didn't. I didn't eat any, no, no, you know, I don't mess around no dairy product line, but lately I kind of changed things around a little bit. But yeah, it was to me, part of the game, and you, you talk about belonging and all, you always, in my mind, I'm always thinking, it's not all the physical side of the game, it's more so psychological. If you think that you're doing something a little different than the other fellas are doing, and you got the research and the data. So when back in the day when I was playing ball, you know, the big thing was, you know, potatoes, steak, prime rib, and all those. Those were the breakfast of champions right there and all, you know, food that you ate and all. Move aside, Wheaties. We're no, no more Wheaties. Prime ribs moving oh, right yeah, in. Wheaties, Wheaties came into play. But, you know, <laughs> what, I, what I found out, and it's just a lot of research and folks that I knew was on the nutritional side that, you know, with beef and steak and all, it's, 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 it's you know, um, it's been proven data and research that when you eat steak and all, it takes your body a couple of days to digest that through your system of cold and all. It takes a while. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, usually when you're playing a game, it's not just one play. You know, you got to play 60 minutes. Yeah. And, it's, and I know it's in spurts and all too, but endurance and, and, and then being able to play the game and being able to play hard at the end of the game, that's where you really excel in that, too. So my mind is always like this. I'm hoping, you know, the day before the game and all, I'm watching what I eat, eating pre-game and all. I just maybe ate some fruit. Um, I didn't, didn't hardly – almost played on a – I wouldn't say an empty stomach, but, but it just makes sense. Now you're not focused – your body's now not focusing on digesting that steak that you had the night before or that steak you had that morning, which makes you sluggish. Now I can get in the game, and I'm hoping to God the big old offense tackle him, man, had a big old, some potatoes, man, and maybe a big glass of milk, man. Maybe put some chocolate in that milk, too. So we get in that game, man. Because it'll start off and then tail end, then I can, I can, that's when, you know, it's, it's not how you start the game, it's how you finish it off, too. So it's not only physically, but psychologically. I'm thinking, I'm getting the edge, and, and I can remember even working out, I'm, I used to always work out by myself because I figure when you play the game, even though you got 11 players around, you got to focus on your assignment in order to contribute to the rest of the team. So I can remember over at Arrowhead Stadium, man, running them steps all the time. And, and I used to always think it was psychologically for me, it was, you know, a lot of times people pick, oh, I'm going to work out early in the morning when it's cool or in the evening or whatever. Or I'm going to work out in the air conditioned place. For me, it was about, we played the games back then. Most of the games was like 1 o'clock anyhow. So that's when I used to work out. I run them steps 1 o'clock because I figured, you know, you condition your body in that state and all. And, and, and again, thinking in my mind, hey, I bet you not probably not a lot of the fellas doing it right now 
So I got a little edge on. Yeah. So you know, that's that's the way I kind of look at things and all. How, how long did the vegetarian uh, lifestyle last for you? Well, I just you know, like I said, I did did eat fish and fowl. Yeah. So I did the protein and all too. So I, I still live that lifestyle. Oh, cool! Interesting. That's wild. I still live it, man. Can't you tell by the hairstyle, man? <laughs> oh, I left it out. I left the hairstyle. I got to go get that. <laughs> I got to get that mohawk, man, coming down like this, man. I have my little band on. I have a question. Who's the, who's the hardest quarterback for you to bring down? How about, I wouldn't say hardest to bring. Well, one of them, well, I'm going to tell you, my all-time quarterback is Kenny the Snake Staper. Interesting. I used to always, you know, he was a lefty and all. But it was just if you watch him when he's he he was cool, calm, and collected. He was the type of guy. Sometimes you got quarterbacks looking at guys coming at him. He he could feel him. You know, he was one of them kind of quarterbacks, man, that could feel you coming, duck up in the pocket, and he didn't have to look and see if anybody's coming. And he was always um, he was he was he was the ultimate quarterback. I mean, he he loved his tight ends and all. He didn't discriminate too, but he. It, he used all the players on the film, just a smart guy and all, too. And plus, he, when he was from the Southeastern Conference, you were in Alabama, Kentucky Wildcats. You know, we all – and all the smart guy. He probably – I bet he probably was a pre-man, too, major, too, just like me. So, but one of the – now, there was a quarterback, as far as in reference, he came out in 1983, was old um, John Elway. Yeah. And I can remember if you said, what was the longest time you had to make a sack? He was, oh, oh, um, Elway, man. I remember one time he was playing here in Kansas City. And cuz, man, he running one side of the field. I'm chasing him. He running back. I finally, you know, finally made the sack, man. But it was just, it almost felt like one of the three students. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> but that was the longest sack. I think it took me about, it was almost like a marathon. It took me two days, man. I had to wow. catch a Uber. It wasn't Uber's back then. I had to catch a cab and follow him around. That's wild. That's incredible. And then, so what was like your, what is the most, what is your standout moment from your time with the Chiefs? What is like the most vivid memory you have, like the one that kind of just stands atop the rest? Stands out. Don't you have to have a mind to have things to stand out? Oh, no. <laughs> well, hey, if we go, hey, maybe I can go this route right here. The game that I had the most fun in. Yeah. Go that route. We played 1979. We was playing Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in Florida, down in Tampa. And it just brought back some old memories. It was a downpour. I mean, I was – but the humidity was hot. So we played a game. There wasn't no, no lightning or thunder. They would stop the game. But it was just a downpour rain. If you Google that game and all, too, it's um, 1979 playing, you know, Chiefs against uh, – uh, yeah. Um, Buccaneers and all, man. I had, I had about twenty tackles in that game. That was fun. Hey, line, just it remind me of back when you was young, sliding in the mud and going back and forth. And it was the perfect rain because it was the humidity was out there, but it was refreshing. And it was just they couldn't throw the ball that much anyhow. And they wound up the uh, um, Buccaneers beat us three zip and all too. But that was. That was a game that kind of stood out in my mind. I really enjoyed that game. It, was, it brought back some old memories. I have a question. I've always wondered when, when there's games on them, there's like heavy rain. Who do you think the rain – who does that benefit more, the offense or the defense? I think, you know, the defense. When you think about it, 
because you can't throw that much. So you they you can kind of uh, it kind of modifies the game and then the footage and all too. But it, you know it can work either way and all too because the footage on both sides. But for a defensive player, and I always always everything was just you know the the, the thought pattern and all too because you know you say defense and offense. And so, in my mind, playing the game, you know, I wanted to be the offense. Yeah. So, in other words, instead of figuring out what the offense is doing, have them figure out what you're doing. Yeah. And so, with that mindset, it's, it's almost like, you know, you do certain things. It doesn't always work that way, but it's always – you got to have something in your back pocket, so to speak, when you play the game. Yeah. Um, so, with that. And then – but I'd I like to also bring up a point, too. We was talking about uh, – uh, Thinking the right there, I was thinking this. Um, uh, you know, as far as players, you was talking about players. When I was in high school, and I still, still got my high school jacket and all. It has on there, Mad Stork 83. You probably don't go back that far. You, you're a Baltimore man, ain't you? Yeah. The match where the Mad Stork came from, Baltimore. Oh. Ted Hendricks. Yeah. And he went up to play for the Raiders and all. But in high school, that was my – I was the mad stork. You know, he was the guy that I mimicked and admired and his style of playing and all. And we was about the same height and time. So I was a mad stork in high school. And then, you know, the, 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 the story behind that is I can remember when I got drafted, we played – that's when he was playing for the Raiders and all. So we played against each other. Then – we was playing in the Pro Bowl, either 80, 81, or something like that. And so, little Mad Stork in his three-point stands, and big Mad Stork is right beside him. We, you know, that, that was one of those kind of moments. He like, okay, those are things you dream about going, and it, this is reality and all, too. So, where did they have the Pro Bowls back then when you were playing? Oh, it was over in Hawaii. Those, those were the good ones. Not Orlando. Orlando's <laughs> fine, or but like. Oh know. no, no, it was just a. It was good. <laughs> It was over, you know, going over there. It's a, it's a different breed of folks and all, too, because you, that Polynesian culture, you know, that's family and all, too. And I got a lot of Samoan friends and all, oh, cool. too. And so uh, I was like going back to the motherland. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Was that the first time you ever been to uh, Hawaii? No, I went there. I, I played, I had the opportunity to play in the Hula Bowl one time. Oh, that was my first time in the Hula Bowl. And then had the opportunity to play over in the Japan Bowl. So we went over there, and it was, I mean, it's, it's a different pace. There's another guy, a good friend, and that's my brother from another, Frank Malamalona and all. Frank came in 79. He played linebacker. And me and Frank, man, just, we, we, we took on that, you know, we're brothers and all. So we, we spent some time, even when I was playing, before I got, I got married in 83. But we went over to Samoa, did some things, some football clinics and camps and all, too. And so... Um, and then back in 2013, went back over, did some things over there for three months or so and all. But, um, and then, you know, my name is not, when I'm in Samoa and all, one of my Samoan brothers is not, all right, I'm Asa. Hey. <laughs> so that's just, and then all my kids, you know, I name all my guy. My oldest one, Asa, I got a Nico. There's a follow Nico Noga. Nico played for the St. Louis Cardinals and all. You're talking a linebacker. You're talking about tough dude and all, so. Name one Nico. So I got all my kids. I got Tasi, Meliana, I got Isai, you know, all them Samoan Polynesian names. Oh, cool. I have a question. How did you end up in Buffalo? 
Um, I think we probably, at first they flew me up, and <laughs> then we drove up. No, no, no. Um, I wound up, what happened was um, in 87, it was 87, yeah. We had, that's when we had, we had um, Coach Levy there. Coach Levy was our first coach. The 1983, they brought in John McAvoy. And so when John McAvoy came in, and it kind of tells you something about the organization. He was there. He had, you know, coaches and players, like I said before, everybody's got their style, way of doing things. You might not agree with. You know, it's just it's, it's, those are learning skills we learn because when we get in the real world, you know, you ain't going to agree with everything. You just got to know how to work with But uh, McAvick, um, um, finally, we finally went to, um, in 86, we played the Jets in a playoff, first playoff game, I think, in 15 years. And so you would think that maybe the Chiefs and all, okay, they can ready to go to the next level next year. So we lost to the, to the um, Jets up in um, New York. And so, you know, they did, the, the organization at that particular time, they fired McAvoy, and they hired the, 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 the um, the special team coach, Frank Gantz. And so when Frank came in, he had a structure of doing things. And you almost, if you got, you say run through the wall, it's for run through the wall. I had problems at that time. So finally, you know, at the end of the year, they traded me up to Buffalo. That's when they brought Neil Smith in and all, too. So if I think Frank coached for a couple more years, then they brought in Marty Schottenheimer and all, too. But it was just, it was, that's how I went up to Buffalo and all, because, um, um, there were some things I didn't – well, you know, certain things. You know, you, you just – you stick to the program and um, the program will stick to you and then things – you got to make modifications and make changes. And, all too. So, and the teams had to make changes and they flew me up to Buffalo. That's how I got up to Buffalo. What was the coldest it got there? Because I don't think people realize. Well, that's – you know, there's, there's stories, true stories. It's the same thing people was telling me when I was leaving. Man, I don't know how you're going to take those winners. And it does. You know, there, you know, because then you understand there's a lake effect snow. So the weather's got to be a certain temperature for to get that lake effect snow. And then when it does, it does pound. It comes down and all. But in Kansas City, you know, in Buffalo, it's like number one worst weather city or whatever. But then when I was Googling the thing in reference Kansas City, Kansas City is number five. because oh, really? Yeah. You go from the humidity. Um, tornadoes, you got um, um, ice storms, you get the snow. I mean, so you go from one extreme, I mean, you can get all those and you go from one extreme to the other and all. And so when you go up to Buffalo, man, you, you understand a lot of folks up in Buffalo, they look forward to those winters and all because that's when they get outside. So as a court, it's, it's, I guess there's a mindset down here. If you get a couple inches, everything shuts down up there. I mean, everything's just it's starting to open up. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. And of course, at what point did you realize, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of ready to retire? Um, it came to a, a um, you never, you never ready to retire and all, man, but it's just sometimes the, you know, with me, it was a situation, you know, you just, and I always tell, you know, especially young ball players. If you understand the concept of the game, and it's, everything's a game, you know, playing, 
teens, all that stuff, even in our lives and all, too. And I think sometimes we take things too personally. And I think even in that situation, me, because when I left from Buffalo, it was like, man, I don't know why. You know, because I had some opportunities going to some other places. But, you know, kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. And the reason why it wasn't the team or anything like that, it was myself and all, too. So, and I think part of the issue was, you know, you, you sometimes you get too much in yourself. Or they, but if you don't understand that this is a business, you just, you're basically a commodity, even though you're a human, anybody. Like, you know, working, if you're working for somebody, you're, you're your own business and all, to your commodity, you can be replaced anytime. And I remember, you know, I had a great coach, Walt Corey. He said, never think, he, he, his term, every year we came in about, you, you're never expendable. And that is so stinking true because then when I finally, because when I did retire and stop playing ball, I didn't look at it for about five years. I wouldn't watch football, Chiefs. I had the opportunity, you know, uh, Lamar Hunt, one of the greatest owners yeah. in NFL history and all, he had called me up and wanted me to represent because they dedicating a practice facility and all. And I still had a bad taste. I told him I had something going and all, too. But then over a period of time, then I realized, and I think hopefully the young ones are telling the young ones and all, too, that, you know, basically it's a business. If I'm playing and they paying me a certain amount of money, then the guy behind me is almost just as good and all, or just as good, and they paying half the salary they pay me. It's just the numbers are there. You're out. And so, but the thing is, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, this and that. So you you take it too personal. So, and I think that's, you know, coming into the game, just like even college and all, it's the same deal, man. Yeah, you're expendable. Yeah. And then not only keeping in mind that you're only one injury away of being out of the game anyway. Yeah. So... so a question. So you said you you wouldn't watch football. What what happened that made you say, okay, I'm ready to kind of get kind of get back involved and watch it again? Um, after I realized, man, I wasn't gonna get paid no more. I couldn't get picked up no more. No, <laughs> no. It was and those those four or five years that I was doing that, man. I was out. We had a, some acreage out in the countryside, and then we was homeschooling our kids and all. So I just kind of you know, took to the family and all and did, you know, things around you know, the property. And then we did for, um, then I wound up moving back up to West New York, back to Buffalo area and all. I was up there for four or five years and came back and started doing things, became part of the Kansas City Chiefs Ambassadors, which is a group of the fellows and all. Some of the guys, Bobby Bell, um, Jan Stenaru, you know, um, Ron Cherry, Sean Barr, there's a bunch of, Tim Grunhart, there's a bunch of fellas and all. And then one of the starters, old Walter White, he was, that was my brother and all too, but he passed away about a year. These are all founders and all that worked along with the ambassadors, and we do things within the community. That's one of the things I enjoy. We do things, you know, helping young ones, elderly or whatever, anything or, you know, uh, children's, you know, types of charities, children's mercy. We do all types of things and all within our community and all. And um, those are the things I, you know, I enjoy doing right now. Yeah. I have a question. Were you, at the, were you at the Super Bowl in Miami this year? Oh, yeah, I was there. You going to ask me how I got there? What did you, what did you, no, you, just, your bike? No. Your bike? No. 
No, I didn't go. I just, you know, I do have a problem around a lot of people now, too. Um, you know, and this is throughout my whole career, and you know, I had the opportunity, I've never been to a Super Bowl. So, uh, set me up for watching them on TV or something like that, too. But, um, no, I didn't go. You know, listen, they had a lot of folks in all, too. Yeah. Now, sometimes I get, you know, because, you know, being a brain surgeon and all, I don't want to mess these hands up. If something goes down, I might have to use some Jackie Chang and all. I didn't want to mess these hands up. You know, my patients are looking. Every time they look at my hands, they're like, I'm here. <laughs> but how, how, how awesome was that for you to see them kind of win the Lombardi? Oh, it was, it was, hey, you couldn't. You can ask for a better time. I, what was it, 50? It was the 60. 50, 50 anniversary, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. That they won it 50 years ago. So the time was just right and all, too. And then, you know, got some great ball players and all. And, and, and just, that's, and the band plays on. You know, and then now with the virus and all, man, that kind of affects a lot of things. You know, even reminiscing, doing things in the community. Usually, you know, you see ball players especially during off season, run around doing all these things, but can't because of the social distancing and other issues and problems and all too. And then with the social injustice thing, you know, there's, there's you know, it, it, there's a lot of distractions around and all too. So. Yeah. Are you glad they locked up Mahomes for the foreseeable future and he's not going anywhere? Oh, is he locked up? I know he had some, I seen that um, correctional color orange he's wearing. Did he have the chains on when he walked? Locked up? <laughs> no. Now, hey, more prior to that, man. You know, it's yeah. just, you know, people talk about that. And I'm on, I don't need to hear anything about that. Ain't doing me no good in my pockets anyhow. No. I mean, but if you have the opportunities and he's, you, you can ask for, you know, MVP and the league and all, too, and, and his skills and what he brings to the community and all, too, um, more prior to him. And, 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 and always people, you know, people are starting making statements. Wow, man, making all that money, blah, blah, blah. But, again, as we go back into the business phase of it, you know, those businessmen that own these teams, own the NFL and these franchises and all that, they ain't going to pay that money unless they're getting their money back. Absolutely. So, so you were, when you say that, okay, look at the team, look at the owners and all, too, because they're paying the money for a reason. Yeah. And, they, and they're not going to invest in something they ain't going to get it back. No, no, it's all it's all thought out. But yeah, no, I'm yeah. glad. I'm more. I'm all about play, players getting exactly what they can. Oh man. no, no, no! You, awesome. can't, you can't jam up on them, man. They yeah. better take advantage. They or use that line that NFL not for long, yeah. huh, man? So you better get whatever you can while you're there. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, speaking of um, um, kind of stuff you do in the community that you're not able to, how how did you start the Syndicate Coffee Team? Because it's incredible what you're doing. Well, it's, you know, we also have this, um, and our, you know, we got Still for Life, which, you know, still number four and then life. Um, and we started that as far as, you know, working with foundations and all, too, more so with product lines, where 100% of the profit goes to the foundation. And then we just made the transition over to the coffee, the beginning of this year, the Syndicate Coffee team. You know, Syndicate, it's like a community have something in common and all that's what it means and all so um and and we did some things i did some things with my sister for a period of time uh in reference to the coffee but then you know we always think in in terms of me and a wife you know how you can do something that's really going to make an impact not just five percent going back to the foundation before you can do it a hundred percent and a hundred percent of that 
that money that we're talking about or the funds going back to the foundation, 90% is to the foundation, 10% is going to the farmers oh, cool. that farm this organic coffee in those Mexico, those South American country over in Africa and all too. So it's a combination of things. And then, you know, we have the opportunity, we're doing some things with the NFL alumni group. Um, Jim Kelly has this Hunter Hope. Yeah. So we have, we're having some mob, and that, those are things that we enjoy. The Ron Cherry has his foundation. We're talking with Munoz, you know, their folks and all too. There's a Super Bowl of Karen they do every year around about Super Bowl time, but it's a year program and all where they work with harvesters, awareness of the hungers and stuff in school and those type of things. We also, there's a number of foundations in the autism ministry and industry and all too, Chapel Haven. Um, and we can just go on there. And, and, that, and that's what we do. 100% of the profit goes, it's all internet based and all too. So you get it, you get it. A subscription every month you get a two pound bag of coffee fresh roasted organic coffee each month and it's shipped out and it's not you know a lot of times people bag coffee and just let it sit but it's shipped you know fresh and off and so you know it's it's it's, it's a product line a, a consumer product lines that everybody drinks you know i drink two or three cups a day and there's some medicinal value to it and all too that you but so, you know what I mean? It's almost like killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. You, you, you're purchasing a product line that you're going to utilize, and it's organic. And then the funds are going back to the foundation, 100%, you know, going back to the foundation. And plus, you're getting awareness out there, too, of these foundations. Because there's a lot of foundations that don't get the awareness. And, and I'll give you a good example. And all. When I was doing the thing, like the Chiefs and all, they're part of the Super Bowl of carrying and all. So this past year, we did something with the harvesters during the Super Bowl week. They had um, over at the harvesters here in town where we was making bags of um, food and all for kids in school, you know, that don't have anything like on the weekends and all too. And it was just kind of funny because it, it, it touches home because a lot of times you look outside and say, oh, these people over here, these people over here. Then my grandkids, who we got so custody of now, Back then, they, their father had the kids and all. So they came in one day with a bag, like on a Friday. It was the same bag we was packing over at the harvesters for Super Bowl care for kids that didn't, yeah. didn't have nothing on the weekend. So I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thinking I'm doing, what's, you know, starts in our backyard, our own family members and all, too. So um, it, it kind of puts things in perspective because a lot of times people always look across town or this part of the city or whatever, but man, it's, 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 it's happening in our own household. Yeah. So the best place to start is with your own home and then working from there because you, you can't help others unless you help yourself and all. So, but um, with the syndicate, the syndicate coffee team.com, you, you'll see a list of you know, what we give back the, the foundations and give information and reference that. So if it's folks that have an interest or maybe even have, might have a foundation that they need some help as far as bringing funds in and those types of things, you know, be certain to get in touch with us. That's awesome. It's great where you guys, you know, I'll put all the information in here when I post it so everybody can just redirect to that and they can go find it easily. But yeah. And I just had one last question for you. So what was it like when you got inducted into the Chiefs, uh, the, like the Hall of, Chiefs Hall of Fame? Oh, here, here's another good story, man. I was when that happened. I think it was in '97 or something like that. We was living the, we we had lived here and came back after retired. Lived for about five years. We sold our house and moved back up west. We liked it out the country. 
where we lived at up in West New York, it was an Amish community and an Indian reservation right oh, cool. there. So we was out in the backwoods and all. But I can, I can, you know, I can vividly remember sitting up there, Lenny Dawson, you know, legendary, gave me a call on the phone of telling me, you know, that I've been inducted to the Chiefs Hall of Fame and all. So I'm sitting on the phone. And so, you know, I'm always, my mind is always racing anyhow. So Lenny thought, man, I should be all excited about it. He said, you're going to get your name written up on the wall and all that kind of stuff. So Lenny, you know, Lenny thought I should have been a little bit more excited about it. He said, how come you ain't? I said, hey, Lenny, look, my name's been on the wall since 1978. I said, you go in all the girls' bathroom in the stadium on the wall for a good time. <laughs> I said, Mary, been on the thicker wall, man. Don't act like you're doing me a favor, man. So, I mean, that, but that was, that, that's a true story and all, too. But, no, it was, it was a great honor, a privilege, you know, like I said, Will and all them guys part of that. You know, even the young Neil Smith, you know, Derek Thomas, you got um, uh, Bobby Bell. I mean, just Lenny and all them guys. So that is, it, 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 it was a big honor, a big privilege. And I was, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this, this has been a ton of fun chatting for a while, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time, and I love all the work you guys are doing with um, the Syndicate Coffee Team, but this is awesome. And for people that um, are looking to follow you, like, on, on social media, is it just syndicatecoffeeteam.org uh, or com? Yeah, you know, the thing is, and I'm not, I'm not a very technical guy and stuff. You know, when you're a brain surgeon, I always use the hands all the time. <laughs> Can you imagine typing on them things, man? I just, man, just, I done broke up a many keyboards and all, too. You know, <laughs> delicate. But um, 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 our website is um, syndicatecoffeeteam.com. And I think they got, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, you know, still, I think it's art still, too, on Twitter or whatever. I'm not a very technical guy and all, per se and all, but I know for one thing, if you want to get some more information, I got the Russians working for me. They get that information out there. They're working for everybody now. Oh, they are? Oh, man, they made it seem like it was just like, working for Okay, I'm going to have to talk to the Martians. Hey. The Martians called me about working along. I'm like, go to Hey, Yeah, well, this has been a ton of fun. I'm glad everybody's doing well, but this has been a blast. I just wanted to thank you again for chatting for a few minutes. Oh, no, no. Hey, hey, if there's anything we can do to help each other, man, it's all about, you know, Doing something positive, man, to me is all about, man, the word, the key word is being empathetic and all, especially in these times, man, putting ourselves in other people's shoes, how we respond or how we do. And the thing is, my, my model, too, and my wife will tell you, any place I go, we left Lowe's yesterday and all, too. My, every day, my objective is to make new friends. Yeah. And just, you know, saying hello, laugh, or, you know, joking or whatever. That and what you find out too, on simple things like that, a random act of kindness, or just man, there's a lot of um, data research, man, how extend your shelf life, your, your um, stress level, and those types of things. Just simple things as that, and then they'll find out. They go to syndicatecoffeeteam.com. They'll find out too that that's all we we talk about kindness. We got you know the research and the data and all. That helps us. Then when you look at it, like, man, if I just smile at somebody, it's going to affect my health and how I look at life in, in general and all. Or if I just say hello, or, you know, something simple as that can, can take you to the next level, so to speak. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this is this has been the time of I just wanted to thank you one last time, but really, really appreciate you taking time to chat. Oh no, no problem. Hey, you know, as they would say, I'm too legit to quit. Oh no, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm starting to date myself now. <laughs> I've heard that one. I've heard that one. <laughs> And I've got nothing else but you and my